Psalm 119, verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. My heart standeth in awe of thy word. Now this morning, I know I've got this written up here on the board, and you're probably wondering, what in the world has he got written up about lions and oxes and all kinds of crazy things up on the board again? I want to show you this morning, to the best of my ability, how amazing a designer your God is with his book. Your God is an amazing designer of this book you have in your lap. And I, I stand in awe of God's word. And that's what the psalmist says here. He says there in verse 161, he says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. That's where I stand this morning. I stand in awe of God's word. So the best of my ability this morning, I'm going to try to show you how amazing a designer your God is. You know, your God is an amazing designer. You don't have to even know much about nature. And if you know anything about nature, you know there's an amazing design to nature in every way. How symbiotic it is, how it all melds together. And you've got to have the bees and you've got to have the flowers. The flowers need the bees. All this stuff that goes together. But if you just look at your body, just yourself, and how you don't have to tell your heart to beat every second. God's got your heart beating and you're not telling it to beat. I doubt there's anybody in this room that's thought about taking a breath in the last 30 minutes, amen? Your body is designed, God's designed your body to take care of itself. It's amazing. And, and you know anything about science, it's amazing to know how your body works. Just your eyeball is an amazing design. It's an incredible design that God's designed. And I'm going to show you, you know, I talk about all the time how amazing God's book is, how amazing God's word is. But I'm going to try to show you this morning through some scripture, and I'm going to turn to a lot of scripture here, but I'm going to show you through some scripture and to show you, and I think at the end of this sermon, when you look at this, I think you're going to say, I must stand in awe of thy word. Amen. Amen. Look at Ezekiel chapter 1. Let's start at Ezekiel chapter 1. And this is an amazing book. Over 20-something years I've been studying this book. I stand even more amazed at this book. I stand more in awe of the Word of God. It's amazing. You can't, the more you study it, the more amazing it becomes. It's, it's just an amazing book. And I want to show you this morning why it's amazing and how it's amazingly designed. That's the focus of this sermon is to show you that this book is amazingly designed. It's put together amazingly. Look at Ezekiel chapter 1, and I want to show you, let's just look at verse 10. If you're curious about what's going on here, like I tell you all the time, go home and read it for yourself. I don't have the time to read all the verses, so I encourage you to go home and read your Bible, amen. And after we're done here, I think you'll be encouraged to do that. But look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 10. Ezekiel's there. He sees this whirlwind come from the north. It's God sitting on a throne. He sees these incredibly amazing, weird, I don't even know the way to say it, but weird and strange creatures. And these creatures he sees, he describes there in verse 10. And as for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side. And they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. And these creatures, they're just amazingly weird looking. But they had one head and on each side of the head, four sides. They had a lion, they had an ox, they had a man, and they had an eagle. And Ezekiel sees this, and these creatures are tied to God. They're associated with God. They show up when God shows up. And he sees these, and he just does the best he can to describe them to you in Ezekiel chapter 1. 
Now, remembering that, the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle that's described here, turn to Revelation chapter 4. Go to the very back of your Bible. Now, what you have going on here is John in, in verse 1. It's opened up. Heaven's opened up, and John is raptured out. It's a great type of the church being raptured out in the tribulation period. John is raptured out, and he, he goes up to heaven. And as he goes up into heaven, he sees this great throne, and there's an emerald rainbow around the throne. There's God on the throne, and he sees all these amazing things. And I skip down to verse 6. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. He sees these four beasts. And in verse 7, it describes these four beasts. And the first beast was like a lion... And the second beast like a calf. And the third beast had the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. So John is up in heaven and he sees these beasts and he says one of them looks like a lion, one looks like an ox or a calf, one of them looks like a man, it's the face of a man. And one of them has a face, looks like a flying eagle. So here we go again. We see up way back at the end of Revelation, just like Ezekiel, he, he sees these creatures and they have the look, the likeness of a lion, of an ox, of a man, of an eagle. Now, there's some amazing things you're about to see that God has designed out your Bible to associate those things with. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. So let's get started. I'm going to start out by showing you the prophecies of the branch. Jeremiah chapter 23, the prophecies of the branch. But Jeremiah chapter 23, look at verse 5. Now, there's these prophecies all through Scripture, and I'm going to show them to you, of this branch. And guys, this branch is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in prophecy, is who this is. Look at verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. So this branch is prophesied to be a king. It's prophesied to be a king. You notice there that the lion is the king of the beast, right? He's the king of the beast. You can establish that. So there's a prophecy of a branch, and this branch is going to be a king. It's going to be a king, and that's found in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. There he is, the branch, and a king shall reign and prosper. Guys, that branch is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are these prophecies of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the branch. Look at Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 3. That's closer to the, before Matthew. If you find the book of Matthew, go left, and you'll find Zechariah. Malachi, going left, it's Matthew, Malachi, Zechariah. And we, there's going to be uh, two different verses in Zechariah we're going to look at. We've got to establish this, and I'll start showing you. We're getting this stuff established, we're laying the groundwork, and then I'm going to show you why this Bible is an amazingly designed book. And why it's designed exactly like God wanted it to be designed. That's what, God is an amazing designer. You know, God did an amazing job designing my bald head. And they make fun of me at work about being bald and everything. And it don't bother me one bit. God made me this way. Amen. God made me this way. And God made you that way. Amen. You know, don't be, don't be shy about if you're a little bigger or maybe you're a little skinnier or you're a little taller or a little shorter. God made you that way. Amen. Amen. Be who you are. Be who you are. Stop being so self-conscious. You get self-conscious, you start getting self-centered. And you, start, you stop caring about other people, you start worrying about yourself. If you start worrying about other people, you won't worry about how your hair looks or how you look. You'll be worried about other people, and you'll be a lot happier for it. Yes. Be a lot happier for it. Look at Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. That was a rabbit trail I went down there. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wandered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. 
So Zechariah chapter 3 verse 8 tells us that that branch is going to be a servant. He brings forth a, the branch that's a servant. We know the ox is a king of servants. We know the ox is a king of servants. So that branch is prophesied to be a servant. That branch is being prophesied to be a king. Now look at Zechariah chapter 6. Look at another prophecies of the branch. And I'm kind of going, I'm going kind of fast because I'm not going to be able to get through all this if I, don't, if I don't hurry up. Zechariah chapter 6 verse 12. Let's look at another prophecy of the branch. Now this branch is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And speak unto him saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, capital B-R-A-N-C-H, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. So the branch there is prophesied to be a man. And remember those two creatures, those creatures we've seen, one of them had the four faces, one of them had just each creature had an appearance. One of them was a lion that was the king of the beasts, and now we're seeing the seeing branch is prophesied to be a king. One was an ox or a calf. He was king of servants. The ox is the king of the servants. He's, the branch is prophesied to be a servant. The man, there was a one that looked like a man. He represents humankind. That's man, women, children, everybody. Now we have a branch is prophesied to be a man. Now look at Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 4, 4 verse 2. So we have a branch is prophesied to be a king. The branch is prophesied to be a servant. This branch is prophesied to be a man. And look at this last one, this branch, this prophecy of the branch. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 2. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and commonly for them that are escaped of Israel. This branch is prophesied to be a branch of the Lord. So it's the Lord, it's a branch of the Lord. In other words, it comes from the Lord. That eagle is a type of God. God presents himself as an eagle all through scripture. In, in Exodus, he said, I carried you out on eagle's wings. In Deuteronomy, he says, I carried you out on eagle's wings. In Revelation, he says, I carry Israel on eagle's wings. A type of God is an eagle. An eagle is a type of God. And there it says the branch is going to be God manifested out. He's going to be of God, the Lord, the branch of the Lord. So now we got this established. Now I'm going to start showing you some amazing things about this prophecy of the branch and about these different creatures. What makes this amazing? Have you ever thought of why there's four Gospels? Have you ever thought why there's four Gospels? We have four different accounts of Jesus Christ. And if you look at these four different accounts of Jesus Christ, this is what makes it amazing. Look at Matthew chapter 1. Now we're going to start getting into some amazing stuff. Matthew chapter 1. This is the stuff that makes God an amazing designer. Because why is this such an amazing design? Because these, this Bible that you hold in your lap was written by 40 different men over three different continents over the space of 1,800 years. And all this stuff is designed perfectly and fits together perfectly. So if you're looking at Matthew chapter 1, what's it say there about the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 1 shows the genealogy of Jesus Christ and it says that the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You know what you know about the book of Matthew when you read the book of Matthew? The book of Matthew, the book of Matthew shows Jesus Christ as a king of Israel. When you look through the book of Matthew, it's the kingdom, it's the kingdom, it's the kingdom, it's the king of the Jews, it's the kingdom, it's the kingdom. It shows Jesus Christ as a king. So much so that the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew shows his genealogy not way, way back to Adam. It shows it all the way back to David and Abraham. Why? To show you that Jesus Christ is a king. And he's the seed of a king. And that he has a right to be a king. Amen. That's the genealogy of Matthew. You know what's so funny about the book of Mark? What's unique about the book of Mark? The book of Mark shows Jesus Christ as a servant. And it presents Jesus Christ predominantly as a servant. 
So when you get to the book of Mark, you know what you find out about the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Mark? There's no genealogy in the book of Mark. The book of Mark starts out, Jesus Christ is with John the Baptist. He gets baptized. He goes in the wilderness. It's nothing about where Jesus Christ comes from. If all you had is the gospel of Mark, you would have no idea how Jesus Christ was born. He just shows up. A servant has no genealogy. A servant has no genealogy. Look at Luke chapter 3. Look at Luke chapter 3. One special thing about the gospel of Luke, one special thing about the gospel of Luke is that it shows Jesus Christ as being the Son of Man. The gospel of Luke shows Jesus Christ predominantly as being the Son of Man. Look at Luke chapter 3. Look all the way down at the end in verse 38. Luke chapter 3, verse 38. A servant doesn't have any genealogy. He has no right to any genealogy. And the Gospel of Mark kind of presents Jesus Christ as a servant, which is an ox. A lion is a king of the beast. The branch is going to be a king, and the book of Matthew shows Jesus Christ as a king. Look at the genealogy of Luke chapter 3, verse 38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Luke traces Jesus Christ's genealogy all the way back to the first man. Why? Because he shows Jesus Christ is the son of man. He's the Son of God and He's the Son of Man. He's got dual natures. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He's dual. That man that was born in a manger is the Son of Man. That one that's always been, that's the Son of God. The one that sits on the cross and says, on the cross of Calvary, says, I thirst. That's the Son of Man. The one that says in the temple says, come unto me and you'll never thirst. That's the Son of God. The one that went into the grave, that went into the grave and was buried, that's the Son of Man. The one that came up three days later, that's the Son of God. Amen. There's dual natures to Jesus Christ. He's God, manifest in the flesh. And when God designed out your Bible, He's showing you these things about the Son of Man and the Son of God. When Jesus Christ is sleeping in the boat, and the wind is boisterous, and the, the sea is coming over, and the rain, and the disciples are scared. That's the Son of Man sleeping. The Son of God gets up and says, Be quiet, be calm, and the waves obey Him. That's the Son of God. Amen. That's the Son of God. Jesus has two natures. He's the Son of Man, and you find that in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke shows it to you in verse 38. All through the Gospel of Luke, it says, The Son of Man came to seek those who are lost. The Son of Man this, the Son of Man of that. You see that phrase, the Son of Man, mentioned all the time. And we know that creature up in Ezekiel, that creature that John saw up in heaven, it had, a, it had the appearance of a man. One of them had the appearance of an ox, the servant. One of them had the appearance of a lion, the king of beasts. One of them had the appearance of an eagle, a type of God. What's the last gospel? Well, y'all know where I'm going with this. Turn to John 1.1. 1, 1. You can't get away from it, guys. This Bible is an amazing book. It's designed amazingly. You can't get away from it. 1-1. One, one. So if Jesus Christ is presented as a king, if Jesus Christ is presented as a servant, if Jesus Christ is presented as a man, he must be presented as God. John 1-1. One, one. Here's the genealogy that's shown of Jesus Christ. Matthew, the genealogy is shown as being a king. The genealogy in Mark is no genealogy. He's a servant. In the Gospel of Luke, his genealogy is shown as being the son of man. He can die for you. He's a man like you. He's a son of man. But the dual nature shows up in the Gospel of John. 1-1. One, one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Amen. So you've got to have God in there. Because Jesus Christ is God, 
manifest in the flesh. He's the Son of God. See, the Son of Man was a time he was born 2,000 years ago. But the Son of God always has been eternally. You got to get that. Some of the Jehovah's Witnesses, some of the Mormons, they don't get that. And they, don't, they can't understand that. And they'll argue with you till they're blue in the face. Jesus isn't God. Jesus isn't God. If Jesus isn't God, he can't do what he's doing. Amen. The only way he can do what he's doing, he has to be God. Amen. Only God can raise the dead. Amen. Only God can come up from the dead. Only God can tell the wind, hey, be quiet. Only God can do that. And I'm telling you, if you do that, you've got to have the power of God. Amen. He's God because He's always been. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was, capital G, God. Amen. God designed this Bible out showing you in Ezekiel, showing you in Revelation, that He's got this, these creatures, and you're like, what are these weird creatures? What's going on? And then you see the prophecies of the branch, you said, that line is a king. And that branch is going to be a king. That ox is a servant. He's a servant of servants. And the gospel of Mark shows Jesus Christ as a servant. No genealogy. That creature looked like a man. He represents humankind. That genealogy in the gospel of Luke shows him all the way back to Adam. Created by God. The first man. The genealogy of God found in John. Because the eagle is a type of God. Is one one. In the beginning was the Word. He was God. See that amazing design to your book? That's the reason why you have four Gospels. Because there's four different likenesses of those creatures up in heaven. And God says, I designed it that way, and that's the way that book's going to be. Forty different authors. Three different continents. 1,800 year period. And this is what you get. This is the design you get right here, guys. It's unbelievable, some of the stuff you see in this Bible. It'll blow your mind. What you'll see. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Let's switch gears. I'm going to show you something else amazing about your book. Isaiah chapter 40. The book of Isaiah is one of the most amazing books of your Bible. When I say books, plural, because there's 66 books in your Bible. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. There's 27 books in the New Testament. Your Bible is a collection of books. Sometimes it's easy to forget that because you'll be reading your Bible and it's all put together in one for you. Amen. They've collected it all into one book, one Bible. It's a, collect, a holy Bible. It's a holy Bible. God's words, and he's collected it all there for you. But it's actually 66 separate books written by 40 different authors on three different continents over an 1,800-year period. Now grab a hold of that. These men are not around each other. These men are not seeing each other. Very few of these men even know each other. Some of them maybe have read some of the other stuff, but what's amazing is, is you're going along, going along, and then boom, there's a prophecy of a branch right there in Jeremiah, and he's a king. He doesn't know anything about what's going on with Ezekiel, with the lion. He doesn't get that. He doesn't know there's going to be a gospel of Matthew where Jesus Christ shows up as a king, but that's how God designs it. See how amazing this is? And what makes it amazing, it would have been so easy to mess it up. But it's not messed up. It's perfect. And it goes together so perfectly. So in Isaiah, you have, which is one of the most amazing books of your whole Bible, all the prophecies in it. It's just incredible. There's 66 chapters to the book of Isaiah. There's 66 books to your Bible. And I'm going to show you the rest of this morning. I'm going to show you that this Bible is shown in every one of these chapters of Isaiah. I'm not going to be able to show you every chapter, but I'm going to show you that there's 66 chapters to Isaiah 
And those 66 chapters represent each one of those books. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. 39 books of your Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 40 would represent the book of Matthew. Everybody grab a hold of that? So there's, in Isaiah chapter 40, the 40th book of the Bible is the book of Matthew. So if this theory is right about Isaiah, then the book of Matthew should show up somewhere in Isaiah chapter 40. Look at verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. There's John the Baptist showing up just like in the book of Matthew. Right there smack in Isaiah 40. Why wasn't that in Isaiah 37? Why wasn't that in Isaiah 58? God put it right there in Isaiah 40. Because it correlates with the 40th book of your Bible, the book of Matthew. Y'all understand what I'm doing here? Okay, look at Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, verse 8. The book, we're ta- now this would be the gospel of Mark. Isaiah 41 would represent the gospel of Mark. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. There's the servant. And Jesus Christ, of course, in the book of Mark, is presented as a servant. Look at Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 13. God is shown as a man in the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 42 would represent Luke, verse 13. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. Isaiah 42, which represents the Gospel of Luke, shows the Lord as a mighty man. You see that? Look at Isaiah 43, which represents the Gospel of John. We've got to look for John in here. We've got to look for God. Look at verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. You understand what God just said there? It's God, and there's no other Savior but God. You understand what that just said? Jehovah's Witnesses, do you understand what that just said? I'll read it again. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me is there is no Savior beside the Lord God. What does that mean? Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Therefore, Jesus Christ has to be God. Because there's no Savior other than God. And God says, I'm the only one that's a Savior. You've got to have Jesus as God. I know y'all get this, but the Jehovah's Witnesses don't get this stuff. And some other denominations don't get this. And it's right there. You can't have it both ways. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God, the Savior is God, our God is Jesus Christ, Gospel of John. There it is in chapter 43, which represents, chapter 43 represents the Gospel of John. So what comes after the Gospel of John in in your Bible? The book of Acts, that's chapter 44. What happens in the book of Acts in chapter 44? In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes down, amen? Verse 3, chapter 44, verse 3. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. Mm. You see how this stuff's all lining up? God is an amazing designer. And he's got your Bible designed exactly like he wants it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Amen. Amen. Are you scared? Now you know why you should be scared when you mess with this book. God's got those verses exactly where he wants them. Amen. I wouldn't, I'm talking about, I wouldn't take a verse and leave it the same and move it to another chapter. Don't even do something stupid like that. Because these verses are right where they need to be so God can say, that's exactly how I designed it. What's the next book? Acts, what's the next book? Romans, chapter 45. Look down at verse 23. Chapter 45, verse 23. Have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. 
That's a direct quote of Romans. When you go to the book of Romans, that's directly quoted in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 14. Every knee shall bow, amen? There's the book of Romans. So if this lines out, then we should be able to go to Isaiah chapter 1 and should be, able, should be able to find Genesis, amen? Turn to Isaiah chapter 1. I'm not here to tell you that I have every one of these figured out. I don't. And I know there's some brothers in Christ that have been working on this stuff for years and years and years, and they found a lot of them. And I don't have the access to them. We did a study here, but how many years ago was that? About three years ago? We did a study here where we tried to find more of these. And I kind of challenged the church, said, hey, go home, read Isaiah, see if you can find some. And I think uh, one of the ladies in the church had found Hosea, I believe. And I found, I found Galatians along the way, pretty strong. Sometimes it's kind of weak. Sometimes it's strong. Sometimes you've well, you got to know the book of the Bible before you can find it in that chapter, amen. <laughs> That's the problem. We don't know the books of the Bible well enough sometimes. We know the Holy Spirit falls in the book of Acts, amen, so it's easy for us to see that where it says, I'll pour my spirit on you. Boy, that just pops out. But some of this other stuff is kind of hidden. But God does that because he said, study the show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. He wants you studying. So look at Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to try to see if we can find Genesis in here. I see it there in verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. God created the heavens and the earth in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Chapter 2 is Exodus, right? Chapter 2 is the book of Exodus. You find that in verse 3 and 4. Look at verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. That's what happened in the book of Exodus. They went to the mountain of the Lord, right? And what happened? To the house of God of, Age, of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. That's what God did up on that mountain. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. And they got the law up on the mountain there in verse 3. There's the book of Exodus. Pretty plain in that one. So we found Genesis. We found Exodus. We should be able to find the very last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation. Amen. The book of Revelation, which would make it the 66th book of the Bible, which is number 66. So turn to Isaiah 66. And let's see if we can find it. And we'll close. Isaiah 66. Your book is amazing. And it's amazingly designed by God. Amen. Okay. It, there's no doubt about it. And I'm just showing you a little piece of this. I'm not showing you everything about the Bible and how amazing it is. I'm just showing you a little piece of this. But look at Isaiah chapter 66. Now look at verse 22. What do we know about revelations? There's a new heavens and a new earth. Amen. There's when heaven shows up. And there's a new heavens and a new earth. Look at verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth. is right there. The book of Revelation. Guys, your Bible is amazing. And when I try to encourage you to the best of my ability to read your Bible, to study your Bible, to do as much as you can to get into the Bible, that's why I do it. Now, the Bible says of itself that it's alive. It's quick and powerful. It's alive. Now, I, I talked at the beginning of this sermon about how amazing your body is. And you know it's amazing if you're any kind of intellect. You know it's amazing because you haven't had to tell it to beat your heart. You've been focusing on these scriptures, amen. See how amazing God's got it designed out? Now listen, listen to me. If God has designed your body out and it's a living organism and this Bible is said to be alive, think about how amazing this thing is designed. Amen. You're never going to figure it out. It's alive. It's an organism. That's why some of y'all say, Brother Keegan, I was reading this scripture and I've probably read that a hundred times and I never noticed it and then all of a sudden I noticed it. Things alive. I was reading through that and I was just reading along and all of a sudden something just popped out. 
Yeah, it just popped out all right because it's alive. See, the Bible is real unique because it says that whenever you're reading it, it's reading you. It's a discerner of the intents of the heart. See, so when you're reading it, it's turning around reading you. Guys, I stand in awe of thy word. Psalm 119, 161. I stand in awe of thy word. It's amazing. It's amazingly designed. And that's why I'm such a stickler about reading your Bible. Because I know if I can get my people, if I can get my people into their book, into the Bible, into God's word, it's going to change you. See, I can preach and preach and preach and preach. I can't change you. But I know the Holy Spirit can. And if you get in the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in the Word of God and allow that amazing design book, you allow it to work on your heart, it will change you. I can't change you. Psychology can't change you. But this book right here, it will change you. If He designed you, which I said in the beginning of this sermon, he, he did design every one of you. He even designed me with a bald head. That tells me that he loves you. He loves you. Just like you are. And he died for you. And he wants you to be up in heaven with him. He loves you. That's why he died for you. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.